0: Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth. The podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern, and we hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Famous, the the infamous, the uh, iTunes' favourite channel podcast, Arrow Bandwidth.
1: Yay! Yay! Round of applause. Inser- as,
0: as semi-independently verified by me a minute ago on my phone. Um, <laughs>
1: I was going to say insert crowd noise
0: here, but no, no. <laughs> insert crowd noise here. Um, yeah, so congratulations to us. Uh, to be honest, I couldn't necessarily find any competition. That's neither here nor there. First by so, default is still first. There you go, you see. Second is first of the losers. Yes. So... Today, um, we thought we'd cover off a topic that uh, that comes up pretty much every day at the moment. Um, it's a, it's one of these topics that, um, to be honest, a couple of years ago, well, not even a couple of years ago, start of last year, I would have totally uh, written off as as sort of bunkum. Bunkum is but the word not even bunkum, more the reserve of universities, the reserve of big big specialist corporate enterprises who had a very niche requirement for it, but I honestly feel that today the world has changed and I put that down to one thing I put that down to the fact that as technology has accelerated which has always been the case for the first time ever we're seeing an accelerated adoption of that technology to create and and, and essentially allow organisations to become and, and adopt the cutting edge because that's what gives them the competitive edge so that's sort of my reasoning behind where this has come from and why it's gone so fast. So today, listeners, we're gonna to listen to we're gonna talk about cognitive computing. Now, cognitive computing cognitive computing, <laughs> and that won't be the first time that happens. Nope. Cognitive computing essentially is AI, is machine learning, is essentially this they're all interchangeable terminology, just in case you're confused. And as well as obviously Richard, we also have a returning Podcast favourite. Hero. Legend. Legend, yeah. yeah, Legend. (laughs) He helped us launch the podcast in the second and third episodes of season one. Go back and listen if you missed them. Mr. Andrew McLean from Prepare the Cloud.
2: Thank you. I feel very humbled being on the the second biggest show other than the moon landings. This is is quite a... Let's, let's keep,
0: we, let's keep let's, making let's those statistics fair. up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say ninety nine point
1: nine percent of all statistics are made up on the spot. Well, um, you know what they say never
0: let the never let the truth get in the way of a good story.
1: Eh, true, true. And let's be fair, we we also have been absolutely pestering Andy to come back on for what seems like we have, months.
0: we have, and for we, at we, least we, five minutes, and, and we sadly got. um well, should we say lumped off with Neil for, for two episodes? <laughs> we love you, Neil. Yeah, of
1: Regardless of what we say behind your back.
0: <laughs> and and to your ears now. Yeah, yeah, all. Yeah. Hey ho. All right. So anyway, so Thank we're gonna you. talk about cognitive computing. Mm. Um Andy was on and did our big data uh one and he also had one of the most famous phrases we've had on the um on the podcast or analogies so far around Kittens and chickens. Kittens and chickens.
2: Yeah, it wasn't chicken. my analogy. I did. I was paraphrasing, but yes.
0: You
1: do realize that ever since then, when he, sl- when, when my illustrious colleague slips into. <laughs> sort of talk that involves animals and farms and analogies mm-hmm. there. He, he absolutely trips over himself. Yeah. Oh. Ask just continue to ask him to define what a farmer is. And no. he's just <laughs> Let's
0: not he's go. lost. Let's not go. There's a there's a little in joke for the uh podcast for the regular Devo- devotees. Hey. Yeah de- the fan base. The fan base. <laughs> Calm down now. Alright, <laughs> so on to the serious stuff. Cognitive computing. Mm. So I think um what is it? And uh and and why is it so important? Does anyone want to take that on? Or?
2: Well, I think right. Let me let me put a little bit of context here. So, my background before technology was psychology, which I did for uh, eight years. Uh, seems such a long time ago now. And um, it's funny because when I was doing psychology, I also did uh, part of my degree in computing. And people said, "Well, what's the point in doing both?" There's no there's no real marriage. Yeah. And th- this was in the nineties, of course. You know, Google had just started up. Now it's kind of gone full circle because we now have this wonderful uh, artificial intelligence and cognitive computing and machine learning and whatever you want to call it. And essentially that's what what it is. It's um, it's trying to add psychological principles to technology. So you have an inordinate amount of data going around. You have uh, unstructured data, structured data. You're trying to bring it a, a context to it. So... <laughs> How do, we, how do human beings work? Well, human beings work based on experience. So when when you're a child, the first thing you do is you, you're in the kitchen with your mother, father, whoever it is, and they're, they're uh, boiling some water, and you go, well, then the little child reaches up, and the parent goes, should I let the child reach up and burn themselves? Now, that might sound a little bit like child cruelty, but of course we learn that way, mm. so you know the, the child will never burn itself again, because it will now know that if it touches a really hot pan, it's never going to do it again, yeah. and really as humans, that's how we work we, yeah. we, we base on experience the next thing, and what cognitive computing is trying to do is almost leapfrog that, it is looking for patterns it is discovering things which possibly we haven't even thought of and it, which, which is really interesting but and that's great. On a technological point of view, that is brilliant. And yeah. you can give all sorts of reasons why that would be the best thing ever. But there are problems with it. Skynet. Are... Skynet. Well, there is. OK, so the the most common thing people say is, well, they're going to take our jobs. That. <sighs> Artificial intelligence is going to take our jobs, and no one's going to be working. And you're like, well, but then you look at the statistics. Then since the industrial revolution, yep. there've been more jobs created that th- through technology than than taken away. So you know, jobs change and things change. Will will technology overtake the need for humans? I doubt it. I think it really comes down to supply and demand and basic economics. Mm. If no one's here to pay for it, then it's not going to exist in the first place. So there will have to be jobs. Slightly off the point. Cognitive computing. So when I think of cognitive computing, I think of last of the summer wine. Now, Richard, I think you're from. Uh, that is a fantastic Yorkshire.
0: analogy. And I'm, yeah. so,
2: I'm so pleased we brought it right back into Richard's ballpark. Hang on,
1: hang <laughs> on. Why do I feel like I've been picked on, or even worse, set up here?
2: Well, I only only last week I read about uh, something called Throw Hapney.
1: Throw Hapney? Throw Hapney. Besides,
2: oh, yeah. date, apparently you throw a coin and. Uh, we don't need you're...
1: Sega Mega Drives anymore. We're oh,
2: right, you've got Throw Hapney. Well, Anyway, so the last of the summer wine, so, so possibly the most <laughs> abysmal program that was ever created on earth. I, wanna oh, give... <laughs> I don't, much,
1: but I'm not affronted by that. Yeah,
2: I don't want to give the um, the plot away, but let's just say that every single episode usually involves three old men in a bathtub going down a hill.
1: Do you know, you are absolutely spot on because that's just what I was about to oh, say And it's been well.
2: going like that way since the 1970s and it kept going and going. I think even Ross Abbott involved at one point. Just it,
1: like with this podcast, when you've got something that works, just milk it.
2: So <laughs> why, are why, about, why are we talking about Last of the Summer Wine? Well... Because you can now buy Last of the Summer Wine on DVD, uh, a box ooh, set on Amazon, ooh, all wow. five billion episodes. <laughs> so someone's gone to the trouble of digitizing this without really checking the quality of the original. Now, I, I personally or, don't want to see... anyone's anyone was ever going to buy it. Or if they were going <laughs> to buy it. Now, the next thing will be a Blu-ray, and the next thing will be it will be on Netflix. You guarantee at one point you'll go into iTunes and you'll be able to download it, and forever it will be digitized. And you go, wow... For the next 500 years, we can now watch three men in a bathtub going down a hill. Essentially, that's how I feel about cognitive computing. <laughs> <laughs> Hang
1: so, on, there's three of us here. We're just lacking a bathtub.
2: We can, we oh, can get a out. bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Claggy. Now, <laughs> the issue I have with cognitive computing, I think cognitive computing is wonderful. I think it has great potential. I think there have been fantastic examples of it. problem mm. I have is that a lot of it at the moment is based on very woolly science. That is fairly dismissed by academic circles. So you have, you know, very smart people doing very smart things, but not quite knowing why they're doing them. So personality is a great one. So HR departments all throughout the world are using these this DISC method of personality. Uh, it, it's great. So this guy called uh, I what was his name? William Marston came up with this. DISC personality profiling. And it was wonderful. It looked at, I wrote a note. So you do this personality test, I will always ask you a lot of questions. Yeah, says, yeah, yeah. Do you like being in work early? But then I'll ask you a contradictory question. Do you like not being late? And, and things like that. And that brings in psychometric profiling. And you, know, you have this psychometric profile. And that'll say, you know, Richard, you're very much a, a, an introvert type of person. I you am, could be an achiever. You could be an agent, an appraiser, a counsellor, creative, a developer, inspirational, blah, 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 blah. Which is great. So you, you can now pair with that and you could say, okay, well, I wouldn't work very well with Dave Fern because our personality is based on DISC and the HR department have just taught us on the psychometric test that we've just spent six weeks on uh, says that we're incompatible. So we shouldn't really work together. But there's a problem in that. Most of it's nonsense, okay. Like, so William Marston, who is a very intelligent guy. No, mm-hmm. this guy invented uh, this disc. He also invented, he also created the lie detector, and he also created the fictional character of Wonder Woman. So he had Great quite a mixed, <laughs> He had a, wow. quite a mixed bag of of things, and I'm not just picking on him alone. But the underlying tech, the underlying science behind it is quite woolly. So where does this come into cognitive computing? Well, the same thing goes for the big five. The big five is a real personality trait that's that's out there. And you have (laughs) cognitive and AI saying, I can measure your personality based on this big five. And this big five being openness, introversion, um, neuroticism, the Woody Allen type of character, uh, but a conscientiousness and agreeableness. And you go, well, that's Mm -hmm. great. But again, it's very woolly science. <coughs> so Big Five, what is Big Five not taking into account? It doesn't take into account Machiavellianism. It doesn't take into account uh people being manipulative. It doesn't take into account sexiness. That's a great word, sexiness. Sometimes, believe it or not, people can persuade and influence people because people find them attractive, oh, the male or female. Like, they're yeah. like, hey, you know, people like me, very good looking, come along and go... <laughs> Buy this and people go, oh, yeah. There will I'll be buy pictures um, associated with this podcast. <laughs> oh, do you
0: know what,
1: right now I would literally buy anything romantic. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're already there, including a loss of the
2: Summer, summer One DVD. <laughs> if I didn't already have it. <laughs> so, um, your conservatism, it could be your religious beliefs, uh, it, it could be uh, your thriftiness, uh, your, your seduction, your honesty. Doesn't take into account your honesty. So, what you're essentially doing is you're, you're telling a computer program to base personality on. These five principles, which are heavily criticised, you're you're basing things on the man that invented Wonder Woman, <laughs> and you're saying, okay, we've created a computer program that will now tell us what kind of person you are, but actually, the underlying te- the underlying science is is, is is it's not really telling you anything. All you're doing is interpreting based on what a piece of technology is telling you, and it's it, which is fine. Well,
1: is it, it's it's like a is it... I and mean, it's an algorithm, so it's a formula, and it's you know, is it static? So will it always do? You know, with the same input, will it always make the well, same? Well, no,
0: output? because here's the thing, right? So, yeah. so the fundamental yeah. technology, and I'm going to fight the other side because I actually really like it, but I don't necessarily like it for what you're referring to it for. Because I, I completely agree with the model, the mathematical model that's put into a let's choose let's neural nets, so artificial neural networks as the the technology, the underpinning technology for for what we're talking about. Other artificial intelligence algorithms do exist. There's about fifteen of them, to be exact. Um, well, fifteen commonly used ones. All right. But the most freaking loads. I carry on, imagine.
1: carry on. Anyway,
0: so the reason that it will it will adapt and change over time is because it works the same as our brain. It goes right back to the thing Andy was saying at the start of the show. Mm. If a child is is doing something, so a, a child is born and they have no no information whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, as they do things, you like feedback loop into them. They pick up that hot pan, burns their hand, you feedback loop into them, that's not right. They retrain their brains to say, if I see this input, I must not pick it up, I must not do this output. The, the uh, Essentially, machine learning, AI, cognitive, all works in the same way. So one of the things I love about AI around these cognitive networks, and the reason they're called artificial neural networks or deep nets or whatever you want to call them, is because they essentially base themselves almost exactly on the architecture of the brain, synapses and neurons. So essentially you have synapses, which are the pathways, and essentially you have two inputs that go into a neuron. The neuron then has an activation mechanism that essentially says, if I think that this input and this input equal this percentage chance that it is a hot pan, Mm -hmm. then pass it to the next level of the network. The next level of the network takes... All this the sum value of all those other, all those inputs and pass some to the next and the next and the next and obviously the deeper you make that network, the more accurate the answer because the more times you're asking it, are you sure it's a hot pan? Are you sure it's a hot pan? Are you really sure it's a hot pan? So but here's is, the thing: yeah. you make you, you make the wrong decision. It's a hot pan. Ow, that hurt. Feeds back in. Okay, this can also be look, This could also be a hot pan. Well, this could also be hot. And that's essentially the way that these things work. So yeah. the way we actually train a neural net is that. The first thing we do is we build roughly what we think it should look like and the mathematical principles, but then we take a training set of data, so essentially a textbook of data, and we feed it from the output end of the network through, and we basically say, these are the inputs, these are the outputs, figure out how you got to those outputs, by basically reversing the answers, the right answers, back through the network and saying, did it equal the inputs? So we do this called mm-hmm. back propagation of the network. And I'm getting a little bit technical here, but for the people who want to hear this, this is essentially exactly how machine learning works. You train the network, and then when you see a a wrong answer, it essentially says, that's a wrong answer, and feeds that automatically or manually back into the network to say, actually, we need to retrain the algorithm. So it's a constantly evolving, it's like, it genuinely is like a human being. One of the things I love about this is that we've taken something that essentially works on a principle of ones and zeros, ones and zeros, and turned it into something that can actually reason and classify and say pretty sure, rather than yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It's I'm pretty sure that that is a hot pan. Don't do this. Okay, so we've got two very strong opinions
1: Oh, but essentially,
0: I, I back his up because it, for certain things where it is a much more Boolean outcome, so a positive or negative outcome, rather than a very it, human outcome. I, I don't I think,
2: think they're good. I don't think my my concern is not around the technology or the the logistics behind the technology. My concern is its interpretation of this information. So you have uh, you have a technology which is. <sighs> There is a lot of science going on in the background. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you have to assume that the science there is sound. Yeah. Second, you have to then assume that the person that's developing this understands that the science is sound. Mm-hmm. Then then you but the, the the key problem, it's a little bit like security. The key problem is it's the person at the end who's then interpreting this data. So I mean let's say cognitive computing's fairly useless on a on a mainstream level. If it's only for for techies, it, it, you know you you almost have to create something which is viable for for the the bigger, better world, and you have to make it in an easy way. Hmm. But they have to be able to interpret that information right, and it's somehow getting the information from A to B to C. So, good examples of AI. Yes. So
1: that was what I was going to ask. Where, where we got some, or you know, where should we be looking at? You know, in mm. your my Esteemed colleagues' opinions. Where should we be looking at utilising cognitive today? Where should we not? And where do we think it's going to go moving forward? You sound so much like me. I don't <laughs> know. I <Is> just <that laughs> be rubbing off. That's all I can say. Oh, dear. my dendrites are being trained. There you go. You see. Ah,
2: nodes of Ranvier. There oh, um, <laughs> we go. <laughs> the um well uh, financial services is an interesting one mm. so they've been using artificial intelligence within financial oh, yeah. services to p- predict yeah unfortunately you could also argue that that could also bring about the end of civilization because uh, once they all start predicting in a in a w- in a downward spiral then mm. suddenly they start dumping a load of stocks and the, uh, the well, we see world... this phenomenon
1: like flash crashes don't yeah. we so yes. I yes. it's
2: but, I mean, crazy if we bring it right back to to
0: the simplest thing in the world mm-hmm. we've all been using not necessarily artificial intelligence or cognitive, but essentially its little brother for many, many, many years. Mm. Did anyone here have a a Windows 3.1 machine? And I had a a Windows 3.1 machine back in the day and this dirty, great, big scanner that plugged into it. And this scanner could do um, optical character recognition. Mm. Now, optical character recognition is actually a big data machine learning task. Mm. Because essentially what you're doing is you're scanning a picture... And you're saying, could that be an H? Could it? Be, that little bit looks like an H. That bit looks like an H. And you're classifying using a classification network, albeit a very basic classification network, to say, I'm pretty sure with those pixels there and that little bit of grey there and that pixel there and that being white and that being black and actually that looks that could that, that's almost definitely an H. Let's say it's an H. And then you'd end up with a relatively accurate output from this page of a of a, of a book into a word document. Now, that was back in, oh, blimey, I'm showing my sort of age now, um, 1990-something or other, early doors. But basically, that's where this has all come from. That is a a perfectly plausible example of machine learning, cognitive AI, because essentially it's taking entirely unstructured data and bringing actual focus to it and, and understanding. We've then moved through, through to sort of voice recognition. It's another example of a mm. classification network. It's voice. Voice is entirely structured data. It is then turned into some sort of outcome based on a classified trained network. We then move up again, and um, you know, if I look today, the, all of those systems required computa- computers and software and things like that. Not necessarily powerful, but they still required that. We're seeing some of our uh, our components friends come out with chips that have entire trained networks to do classification at the device. So voice recognition, picture recognition, um, video recognition, all these sorts of things are happening at the edge, and all that's being passed back is the processed classified data. I'm pretty sure this is Mozart's Fifth Symphony. I'm pretty sure that's a beach. I'm pretty sure that picture is a can of baked beans. All of these things are, in my mind, as much cognitive computing as anything else. Cognitive computing is just the the current word of the day that's been coined by certain certain vendors but it is still fundamentally machine learning which is AI which is whatever else you want to call it in between and I'm sure other a hundred other names depending on what sounds cool
2: mm. well uh, it's it's a little like IoT I mean IoT is uh, there was a lot of gimmicks back mm. in the day oh, yeah. and you know it was like toys and oh we can have a toy that tells you what shoes to wear a day or so. oh, I don't know, whatever it is and um it's grown up and i mm. think cognitive is very much a lot of it's still in the playground there's there's some really cool stuff but it's very complicated very expensive and there's some very gimmicky things mm. which look great because someone go oh look at that it tells me that you're an idiot whatever whatever the outcome <laughs> is um not particularly very scientific mm. but we're getting there yeah. the technology will advance and but what i think the issue with I I don't think it's a it's a magic bullet. I think oh, that not, yeah. artificial intelligence, like everything else, it it's whether or not I mean there are examples <laughs> of it being in the mainstream, like I think that Google Deepmind thing was hmm. predicting um the best ways around the underground and based on what was going on and how many people and, and things like that. I read that at the weekend. Uh so that was cool. But um I think The rest of the mainstream stuff, a little bit gimmicky. So yeah, but good examples of it. So like, I I believe they're in medicine. They're mapping genomes and diseases and things like that, and being able to predict Mm. that very specific things. That's I think that's where AI is very much coming into its so, but very expensive things at the moment. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, (laughs)
1: there's one or two big technology houses that shall remain nameless that are yeah looking at. Moonshots, as they term them, and it's more general AI rather than a very specific application of yeah. AI. And I noticed something, I think it was last week or could be a month ago, whenever you listen to this podcast. Uh, and again, that was people at IBM, Facebook, Google coming together to, to almost create an ethical framework. Well, yeah, framework. the OpenAI
0: project. yeah, Which is, um, I think the lead investor for that is, is old Muskie, Elon Musk. Mm. So that's a very interesting project. Very interesting project. I mean, he's, and you've he's also got people like, um, what's his face, Stephen Hawkins, um, saying, you know. Step back from is, the edge. No, the, genuinely, yeah, this is one yeah. of the things that he genuinely thinks could end civilization. Mm. And if you've got him, you know, you've got some of the leaders. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? old Musk, he's gone a little bit left field recently. Be right. with has been uh, on Mars, the with, uh, with, with the simulation. There's, yeah. a,
2: there's a work, Vernon Herzog film that's coming out yes. this week yes, yes, yes. about the connected world and M- Musk is on it. I-, I felt a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I don't know if I would give that man the nuclear codes, but that way he's... Follow
1: me to the promised land, my
0: children.
2: Yeah, he- I- 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 I'm I, sure he's a wonderful man. But, um, oh, yeah. oh, he's the, an absolute uh, s- yes. genius. I- yes, a little bit le- left
0: of, of, of the wall. <laughs> he's not, he's not <laughs> quite evil genius yet, but it- it only- it's, a- it's only one step <laughs> away to turn it from Tesla cars into the... The Tesla weapon
2: of all. I'll th- tell you what, watch the documentary. It just comes out next week. It's definitely, worth seeing. it's about the connected world and yeah. it talks about a lot of stuff about AI and about how, um, you know, people will, Tinder will make decisions on your behalf. Who do you think, you know, who they think mm. will be the most attractive person to, for you? Uh, which is, again, interesting things. E, this is the direction AI should be and definitely an experimental. But a lot of this stuff starts to go back into the experimental. I'm curious about how you pull it back into this.
1: So I, I, I read um, a very interesting piece this morning, and I have to say thank you to the raconteur for, for putting this uh, up on the web. And it was um, a simple statistic. Data scientists... Mm which is a new world role, a post-industrial role, a post-technology revolution role. We didn't have these when we had clog makers. Mm. Um, Data scientists spend 60% of their time, on average, cleansing data. Now, to me, that's not the best use of their time. Likewise, clinical coders sit there and spend a vast amount of time Cross-referencing the clinical codes for drugs, treatments, pathways, health pathways, mm-hmm. to ensure that not just the uh, hospital trust keeps on top of its costs, but that they can map back to you know the correct prescribed um, pathway being chosen by a doctor and a team of consultants for a particular patient. You know, a lot of that is still done, you know, <laughs> relatively manually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose this is, this is where I see, you know, pick up a point you said earlier about, you know, very specific applications of and cognitive and AI. Use it to, you know, to really churn the basic mind-numbing, boring, but an increasingly yeah. large pot of data that we are hmm. generating in the world today. And nope. it's not just us; it's the devices and the things that are around us are generating uh, but, data.
2: But this is the rub. So you look at the famous example of the uh, the Watson Jeopardy game yes. show that IBM did. So IBM did this big game show, and Watson mm-hmm. had to predict the answers, and it was all it was all very cool. And I think Watson yeah. won. And it took ages for them to do it, and understandably why, because it had to cleanse the data. But if I understand the way that worked, it looked back at lots of data and yep. went, no. What happens if the question was, what color shirt is Richard wearing? Okay, Mm -hmm. so there's two questions to be asked there. Who's Richard? Who am I referring to when I talk about Richard? Does it, will it know? Yep. And B, it's about moment in time this this is where ai really Absolutely. needs to step up it's this moment in time thing because if i ask the question today and ask the question tomorrow the the data it's completely different data because tomorrow you'll be wearing a pink shirt today you're wearing a, a blue shirt yep. uh, you've you've got to change that moment in time so i think there's a lot of focus on retrospective data and i think there is more focus now on moment in time data and data that's happening as it happens but i think that's where it it can it can go very wrong uh, I think there's a big big potential for things to go wrong at that stage. Um, yeah. you're, Are we you're, edging there towards a I, consciousness? I, I, yeah. I, look, so...
0: Sorry. I'm, I'm, no, 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 because I'm I'm, I'm all over that will happen one day, 1,000%. If it hasn't already, and this isn't just a simulation, Mr. Musk. Mm. Um, those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, just put simulation and Elon Musk into Google and you'll get about a million results. Um, by the way... Terrifyingly proven by two very famous quantum physicists the other day. We'll go there. Even um, we're not paranoid enough as it is. <laughs> you're telling me. And so I mean, I I honestly think that um, if we look at the practical. So if we take it away from from Skynet and bring it back down to, okay, so this is, this is fundamentally a channel podcast and we're trying yeah. to help the channel understand and, and get a bit of grip of this. And so far, right all, away, we've done, right away. all we've done <laughs> is get the bejeebers out of them. But I yeah. think that there is a real, I mean, it's good to have these conversations because actually it shows the, the length and breadth and depth and scale of this, of this piece of technology. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what can it do today and where should the channel be focusing? Very, very simple for me. And obviously, you're more than welcome to have your own opinions. <laughs> if they don't agree with me, though, Andy, I, over to you. I, I have the editing. Um, so for me, it's all about specific neural nets. Mm. So when I say specific neural nets, I'm not talking about general purpose AI. Because I think general purpose AI is actually going to be a stack of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of these specific neural nets. So that actually you can go and do things. But... The way we look today, we, have a, we've, we classify a network, as we were talking about earlier on, and the whole um, you know, child reaching yeah. for a hot as we'll something. T- as we'll speak about in the future. As, yeah. as we will. Yeah. Um, but, you know, child reaching for a hot pan, that's, mm-hmm. that's a network. That's yep. a neural net in itself. You have that. Then you'll have another one talking about it not putting its fingers in the door. That looks, like a, that looks like the inside of a door. Don't leave your finger in when the door's closing. You might have another one that basically determines when a door is closing. You think about all the different things you're going to have to understand and classify and then link together to actually create general-purpose AI. That's terrifying. It's not terrifying. It's just going to need a lot of work. Well, more importantly, it's going to need a lot of processing power incredibly quickly. (coughs) Quantum computing. But... I think we're possibly a way away off there, but it will happen because actually it's the single biggest step forward we will take as a civilization. Because all of a sudden we'll be able to pr- process every possible connotation of that outcome instantaneously, and go, yeah, that's what we should do. Well, you
1: know, we're so, already starting to see snippets of quantum computing. So.
0: We are. We are, I uploaded my job to the IBM online quantum computer couple of weeks ago and so what did it say it didn't I don't think it's got the cue <laughs> did you break it oh no what, what's annoying right? it, what's annoying is there's a, there's a there's an actual quantum computer and then there's quantum simulator and I was like don't put me in the simulator <laughs> just chuck me go on go on make my literally make my day but never mind that's not the oh. end there look For me, where we can really make hay whilst the sun shines today Mm -hmm. and where the channel can go and really take advantage of this technology today is to, as we said very, very early on in this podcast, is to take advantage of boring, repetitive tasks, reading something and determining it's positive, negative, or neutral, Mm -hmm. Um, classifying spam, um, looking at images and determining what they are. Simple, straightforward things. I don't know there's three relatively sort of pointless activities, but okay, here's a good one. Um, deciding on whether or not someone should be insured. That is probably mm. one of the most interesting and simple and l- well-matured use cases for AI cognitive computing today. Every single online um, insurance broking engine is not got, has not got a human being at the back 24 hours a day going, yep, 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 give him insurance. It's using an AI classification engine saying, based on all these inputs are you a good candidate to insure? And by the way, it's not just yes or no, it's, right, I'm going to insure you for this much, I'm going to insure you for this much, I'm going to insure you you for this much. Stacked multiple, you know, uh, once again, multiple nets of of decision-making capability strung together that go, okay, so he is a smoker, he is this old, he is that old. Based on all these things, and based on the outcomes of different nets that basically say that being a smoker and being this old and living in this part of the country generally means you die earlier. Should I insure them or not? And all these different, and that's, and this is where I think we should need to need to really focus on is find cool tasks in your customers, find tasks that they're struggling with, find tasks that they're having difficulty um, delivering consistently and delivering at the scale they need to, Mm. and talk about how a machine learned, automated, cognitive AI esque approach with some of the technologies that we have in the kit bag today, well matured, ready to go technologies. Mm -hmm can help to actually genuinely move their business forward. Yeah, and let's be fair, some of you know, some of our vendors that you might not think of as,
1: you know, being <laughs> at the forefront of things like cognitive and AI, they've they're applying the principles to, you know, products that, you know, they have in the market today, you know, and the you've only got to look out for, you know, messages along the lines of, you know, you take security. You know, there's there's been a lot in the press, know, recently about there being potentially a shortage in the future of um, you know, security administrators, security architects, and you know, in theory, uh, it's no, an this application is, of this a, is AI. Be re-
0: that is a job that's already being replaced. Exactly, we're seeing one of the biggest growing trends in technology, in security specifically, around AI is yeah. user behavioural analytics. Yep. You know, instead of looking for problems in a network, or sorry, not looking for problems, looking for. Issues and then patching them with security updates and certificates, you just basically go, This is the baseline of what the the network should look like. Anything that looks unusual or odd, flag, move, delete, inquire about, you know, set the alarms off. Yeah. That's the way it should be.
2: Absolutely. But. But please. Come on. Come on, Andy. So you when you're looking at the channel. So okay, so there are there are about five, six different things that you can use AI for at the moment. So first one is obviously decision making, as you've already said. Mm-hmm. Now, be very careful would be my <laughs> advice. Be very careful to because <coughs> automation is good. Be very careful about removing all human aspects of that. Uh, let me give you an example of this. I was with Barclays since I was 11 years old. I opened up an account when I was 11. Uh, my little Aww. passport, like, oh, thank you. I put my first £10 in there or £5 where it is. I was all so proud. Did you win a painting competition
1: <coughs> and get get an account book as a prize? Because that's what happened to me, and I was mightily disappointed. Yeah, uh,
2: Well, I had a checkbook. I never used it, but I had a checkbook. <laughs> I've still got it. Barclays were lovely to me. Until I asked for a mortgage, mm. and then they went. I'm going to run this through my algorithm, even though you've been with me for 25 years and you've run your businesses through me in the past. Go away, they said. No, no discussion. I just got a a standardized email. Computer says no. Computer says no. And you know what? I said, well, you, Barclays, I'm off. Right? (laughs) I am leaving your custom. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I've had 100 people warning at me recently about them not getting verified on Twitter because Twitter now has an algorithm that... You can submit to, and it says, Oh, do you want to be Twitter verified? And you go, Yeah, I want to be Twitter verified. And it just goes, No, I'm well, not good enough. I'm not good enough. So be very careful not to scare all your clients away. That would be my one big thing about AI. Yep. AI can be very, very powerful for that. Um, AI can also be good for discovering emotional states. Uh, I would say that you might want to look into that. So, an example of emotional state.
1: <laughs> hmm.
2: Well, an example of emotional state. So, you are you're Barclays' client. <laughs> or another big bank cloud <laughs> And you haven't got your mortgage Now, the last person you want to speak to On the phone is someone like you Some sarcastic individual Who's going to very really upset you AI could be a very good way uh, And there is examples of this on, on telephone, uh-huh. Where you make a telephone call And it will match not using the big five. Let's let uh, let's hope that they've got a better personality algorithm. But they can match someone who's more applicable to you. Maybe someone you've spoken to before in the system will say, I'm going to put you through this caller. Because we think this caller will talk to you better than if we put you through to, like, Richard in... Uh In uh, (laughs) in London, Um, so that that's 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 a good one for possibly for MSPs. Um, Things that discover things that that goes without saying. AI is great for discovering things. Okay, you could talk about pharmaceuticals where we might be looking for drugs, but actually we're only good for looking at we're only good for discovering things that we're already looking for. AI's got the advantage of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be looking for something specific. It's just ex- it's almost experimenting. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Um Anything to do with cyberspace is all, always good for mm-hmm. MSPs. Things that look for trends online. It might look for you might you might be a social media person that might be looking for what kind of hashtags are trending or what kind of news is going or yeah. you know when's the best time. I know these are all very marketing type things but when is the best time to send an email for a particular type of yeah. campaign something like that they're all examples of where ai at the moment i think is on a, in a mainstream part and and can and good can boxed. be used yeah. uh, that's my my main four for the moment okay i like, no, I like that.
0: that it's good I like yeah that's good
2: all right well thank you very much
0: guys it's been an absolutely excellent episode no as problem. expected but I feel that we should probably leave it to our own resident uh, AI to, uh, to uh, say goodbye. That's a good idea. Alexa, say goodbye. Goodbye. Yay! Yay. And on that bombshell, before I get replaced by Alexa, goodbye. Already happened. Thank you very much, Mr. McLean, for coming in. Problem. Rich, I don't have to say thank you to you.
1: No, I'm just sat here waiting for my P45, because quite frankly, I'm going to be replaced by a cylinder.
2: Alexa, <laughs> self-destruct. Oh, my she's not happy about <laughs> <Turned> that. <off. laughs> she turned off. And on that thank note, thank you very family, much. Thank you
0: very much for listening. It's been another fantastic episode, and we've also uh, had a brilliant new producer, not to be replacing mm. Hannah because I'm pretty sure she's going to still be putting this out. But thank you very much, Danny. Thanks, Cheers, Danny. You, Danny. Cheers, guys. You're Bye, bye. Cheers, guys. Alexa, self-destruct.
1: I'll start the self-destruct sequence, but only on the understanding
2: that you dramatically cancel it at the last second. Not a chance. (laughs)